Good morning, church. It's so nice to be able to see my notes up here. I knew I left them somewhere. <laughs> Some of you are going, oh no, he found them, but there they are. So your plans for the rest of the day just got shot. Um, I did notice, because normally I'll stand up and say, well, you know, the clock gives me an extra hour, but they changed it. So I don't. We're, we're in a season which is known as a Lenten season, and in the Churches of Christ for a very long time, we didn't even speak of these things, and it's new to a lot of you, but a lot of you participate because many of us come from other religious traditions, and the Lenten season has given strength and, and helped focus the mind of Christians for thousands of years. It is that period of time where people focus on the coming of Easter the coming of the cross, and then the coming of the risen Lord. And they find ways to, to focus the mind. They often give up something, uh, a food or an activity, something very important to them. And we're very deep in that season now. If you think a faith like we have sounds reasonable to the world, it doesn't. It really doesn't. And I think about this every time this year. We believe in a God. Right there, we've lost some people. But more than this, we believe in a God who is actively interested and engaged in the creation. We lost some more. Then we believe in a God who came to us, wrapped in human skin, went through the birth canal, did everything that we have had to go through here with the, with the, the broad brush there of hunger and temptation and heat and all the other, that seems absurd to people, but we're not done. We believe this, this God died, and there we lost a lot more. And then we believe he was raised again on a Sunday morning, and people look at us and say, are you crazy? And I'll say, we're not done, because the crazy thing is not that Jesus was God, the crazy thing is that God is like Jesus. It is a beautiful, crazy, absurd faith. And I believe it. But if you think it's hard for people to believe it today, put yourself as a part of a desert tribe back way off 2,000 years ago. Oh, let's make it even more. 2,700 years ago, 3,000 years ago, and you're just in a tribe, and you have to keep moving because drought and famine or other tribes are pushing you. And you, you keep saying, this is ours, and you get bumped off of it, and you have to keep coming back to it, and you keep wondering, what are, what are we going to do? How do we hold ourselves together? They believed in the coming of Christ. That was a lot harder back then. And so they wrote songs, poems, stories, and they reminded each other, this is what we believe. And it may be absurd, but one of these days, you know, you and I will say one of these days, and we mean Tuesday. They said one of these days, and they were thinking any day now or when God decides, and that could be thousands of years away. Their faith was amazing. It was beautiful, it was crazy, it was absurd, and it was correct. Now flash forward. Time of Jesus. 
the synagogue is meeting. Synagogue is, a, is, is just a Bible word meaning congregation, assembly. Very much what the word church means. So the synagogue was meeting. And the men worshipped in one area, the women worshipped in another. And the men would have taken turns. They didn't have a clergy in the synagogue. They didn't have a preacher or a priest. The men took turns reading scripture. You would stand up to read the scripture, then you would sit down to, to speak about what you just read. And the Bible was divided, so every, every year you made your way through the majority of the text. In some churches to this day, there's a liturgical reading that does this. We, uh, we did it, uh, there were two pulpits in a lot of uh, the churches in Scotland where one would be read from the Old Testament, one from the New. And recently somebody said, why did they do it that way? And I said, I, I don't know. It wasn't my decision, but they would read through the whole Bible. Jesus' turn to read had come. He stands up, and they hand him the scroll. And he reads this out of Luke chapter 4. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. It's chapter 61, we'd call it. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Listen to this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. We just sang, come, Holy Spirit, come. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In other words, one of these days is right now. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, guys, now. It's happened now. Can you even imagine their shock? Who, who do you think you are? You're just a carpenter. We, we know all about you. You're the carpenter's son. Your mother has a bad reputation. Uh, nobody really believes her story. We, we <coughs> excuse me. You can't do this and get, turn away from the mic anymore. They strap it to you. So you get to enjoy the cough as well. And those of you that didn't get enough caffeine this morning, you're welcome. Um, they were so shocked and so upset that the scripture says they took a hold of him and took him out to a cliff to throw him off of it. That's how shocked and outraged. This is crazy. This is absurd stuff. And in fact, wasn't Jesus accused of being mentally ill? His whole family said so and came to get him. And Jesus said, no, this is my family and pointed to his, his apostles. By the way, fascinating end of that story of them throwing him off the cliff. The Bible doesn't tell you what happened. Again, I'd like to know. It just says, it took him to throw him off the edge of a cliff to kill him, and he turned and passed through the midst of him. Now, when I was a boy, I thought probably he went all John Wayne on them. He just turned, he fought him off, he pumped him, he turned a couple into frogs. I don't know, but he, it was a dramatic thing. I would have liked to have seen the story. But now I don't think so. I think they threw him off. I just don't think he fell. And that's the only way I can think of that he could then turn and walk through a crowd that was trying to throw him off of a cliff. Because if you throw a guy and he just stands there, 
you'll back away. I'm thinking, never happened to me, but I'm thinking you'd back away. Just a thought, whatever it is, I know it seems crazy. Back up two verses in Luke chapter 4. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. You might want to underline that, draw circles around it, and put stars it there. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. It wasn't until he got the Holy Spirit filled in him that he started this work. And he didn't get that until Satan had thrown everything he had at him and Jesus didn't buckle. The Holy Spirit came and Jesus was able to handle it. I want you in your prayer time. By the way, speaking of prayer time, this is a church founded on prayer. And normally we have family prayer time. Today, because of all of the ordination going on, we let that be our prayer time. But don't you think we're phasing it out? We're not. We're a people of prayer. When you pray this week, pray for our sister congregation up the road at Otter Creek. You know what it's like to get shelled, don't you? You know what it's like to have your families call you and say, how dare you go there? You know what this is like. And those of you that don't know, uh, somebody, uh, the Otter Creek Church announced last week that one of their services was going to be instrumental. The Tennessean ran an article. The Tennessean is owned by the Gannett Company, which owns USA Today. So USA Today put it in their national news. So, and so I had somebody say to me, well, at least ours didn't go national. No, it was the internet. That's international. <laughs> but I want you to pray for them because the fact is, if you want to move forward with the Spirit of God, the devil is going to do everything he can to shut you down. And we won't let that happen. All right, so you pray for them. I'm not asking that you go and attend there. They don't need you. <laughs> hey, guess what? You can find Jesus there too. And we're not in competition with them. But if we were, we'd win. Um, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus came out of nowhere. But he came with the power of God. Now, again, we don't think he came out of nowhere. We think all these prophecies and such. They didn't understand that. This is just a guy at church standing up saying, you've been waiting for God, I'm here. Think how crazy that sounds. But there's an echo of Psalm 110 here. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. He will drink from a brook along the way, and so he will lift his head high. Let's leave that up there, if you would, please, for just a moment. There are people that say, now, what is the order of Melchizedek? It means after the fashion of, in the styling of. Do you remember Abraham was the only one who was faithful to God, as far as he knew? And he's walking along trying to figure out, what do I do to... You know, I'm the only one. And all of a sudden, he meets a guy named Melchizedek who is a priest of the Most High God. Where did he come from? We don't know. Where did he go? We don't know. How did he know about God? We don't know. And God said, there will be another one like this coming out of nowhere, standing in your midst and saying, here I am. How, how will he get that strength? He will drink from a brook along the way. He will have access to a water that will lift him high. That water to us, we don't use these kind of metaphors very often. 
But you remember the Samaritan woman? Jesus says, I have water. If you drink this, you will never be thirsty again. Jesus is offering us water to thirsty people. The people at this time have been thirsty for a thousand years. But he says, I've got the water, the Holy Spirit. No wonder then that the Holy Spirit shows up repeatedly in Jesus' life and teaching. The Spirit gave Jesus power to say some things that were absurd, crazy, but they were true. If it bothers you that I'm saying absurd and crazy, I think I've told this story before, but let me just tell it very briefly. I was speaking at Ohio State. This is many years ago now. Uh, I say many, like 10 years ago. It was a while back. And one of the people there asked a question. They said, are you a minister? Must have given myself away. Um, I don't know. Somebody was healed or something. I don't know. (laughs) But I said, um... Yes, I am. And they said, well, how can you justify religious faith with the science that you're teaching? And I said, I can't answer that until the, the, the big hand gets to the 11. But as soon as it does, anybody wants to stay, I'll, I'll answer your questions as long as you're here. Well, the class ended. Nobody left. I thought, uh-oh. Um, first question was, do you believe that you have to go through Jesus Christ to get to heaven? And I said, yes. And the whole group went, wasn't a happy group. I didn't even want to tell them. I thought it might be more difficult than they were expecting it to be. I just said, wait a minute. I say you have to go through Jesus to get to heaven. What do you think that makes me? And it was crazy, narrow-minded, ignorant, bigot. I mean, I wrote them all, and there were some words up there I'm not allowed to say in church. I wrote them too because I know how to spell them. When we were out of words, I turned around and I said, you have to, I believe you have to go through Jesus Christ to get to heaven. You say that makes me, and I read all the words. And I looked at them and I said, and you're right. Unless I'm right. In which case, none of these apply. We have a crazy and an absurd faith, but it's beautiful because it's true. Jesus said some absurd things. Like that he was a rock? Matthew 16. Let's look at that. Matthew 16. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this is not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Interaction here. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, he meets himself, not Peter, I will build my church, and the gates of hell, Hades, will not overcome it. You might not have known the significance of that passage, but they did. Look at Psalm, Psalm 18. For who is God besides the Lord, and who is the rock except our God? They knew the Psalms. They sang the Psalms. They memorized the Psalms. And Jesus has said, I'm the rock that this congregation is going to be built on. But it goes further. Think about this passage in John chapter 10. Let's call that one up. Do you have that one? You do? Okay, thank you. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now we look at that and we think of paintings with a guy holding a little baby lamb. We think, yeah, okay, good shepherd, got it. What you might not know is that they would have thought of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I will need nothing else. They knew 
what he was saying. And if you are in the most fiercely monotheistic culture that has ever lived, that sounds crazy. Unless it's true. I want you to think for a moment. Chris did a, and Joe did a great job at, the, at setting the table for us. And Chris talked about the, a, a plane crash. And I've often thought, imagine what would happen if Isaac Newton could come back to our world and sit beside you on a plane. How would you explain what was going on? Just start. <laughs> he just pops in. And you go, all right, it's my job now to explain why we're not screaming in terror. Assuming you're not. I've sat by a couple. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I kept thinking, you, did, you were aware this leaves the ground. Uh, anyway, that, I said that inside. I said it inside. <laughs> Everything you said to Isaac Newton would sound crazy. But it's true. It's true. Jesus says, says these things. I'm the good shepherd. He was Emmanuel, God with us. And have you ever stopped to think about what an outrageous thing that is to believe? Psalm 8, verse 4. What is mankind? That's all of us, ladies, that's you too. That you are mindful of them. Human beings, that you care for them. You see how the absurdity even hits him? How... how how do you care for us if you're, if you're God? I thought about here leaving on a big riff about the size of the universe and even using video and the like. But the fact is that would take far longer than I have today. There is no way to explain how big this place is. No way. We are hundreds of millions of light years just to get across our galaxy and there are over 200 billion galaxies out there that we've found so far. It's, it's big. So why should he care about us? You see how crazy this is? You see how absurd this is? And it's true. That's the thing. And once you realize this, it's amazing. The God of the universe came to us in human form, took one of our names, the most common name of the day, walked with us, talked with us, and made us the center of his universe. And all that he asks is that we do the same for him. Make him the center of ours. It's not much to ask, really. This was the answer to the prayer of the common people. They loved him. They accepted him. They looked at Jesus. They saw their salvation. They responded with joyous abandon. And they even threw branches, palm fronds in, in front of him. And we all know that. But did you know that that's also in their songbook? Psalm 118. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The Lord is God. He has made his light. The light. John 1, shine on us with bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. Now do you see why the priests were going nuts when the people started doing this? Because they had just sung about him in their songs and now they're saying that's him. That's him. The religious and political leaders of the day were not happy. 
And you will not find atheists writing hate mail to Otter Creek. You will find the religious leaders of the day doing it. I ask you not to do something. And I know as soon as I do, some of you will do it. But you're still going to go to heaven. I'm a little annoyed at that, but, you know, it's not up to me. (laughs) I'm going to ask you not to read the comment sections of the newspapers and online things. Because you will see why people are atheists. Christians who, who claim to speak for God are the world's best at speaking in hate. We will not respond in kind. Ever. Even if it's a hanging curveball and we can really hit it. No, no. We're going to love and return. Just don't go there. You don't need that in your head. You don't need it in your heart. That's exactly what Jesus was facing. The religious leaders of the day realized, wait, here goes our sweet deal. We get money from this. We get power from this. We get prestige from this. And so they arrested him. They arranged a sham trial, a kangaroo court. They had him killed. And even that is in the Psalms. Let's spend some time in Psalm 22 and Psalm 41. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? But I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them, cast lots for my garment. And Psalm 41, even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. Do you see now why when they sang on Sunday morning and they looked over at Jesus, that the people were thrilled, but the religious leaders were terrified and mortified and yelled, this is crazy. In fact, one of the first charges leveled against Christians, the court of religious leaders got together and said, you have turned Jerusalem upside down. The proper response to that is, thank you. That's what I'm trying to do. So look at these Psalms. Psalm 18. Is that Psalm 18? or Yeah, 16, sorry. Verses 8 through 11. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him on my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure. Watch it. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. That's not true just of Jesus, but of you too. And look at this next one, Psalm 45. Your throne, O God, have you read Revelation? will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You're not going to stay dead. He didn't stay dead. He lives at the right hand of God. You will be welcomed around the throne room of God. We will live forever. And yes, believing that is hard when you live in the world between Good Friday and Sunday morning. Yes, It's hard when you live in the world of not yet. It's not yet Easter. 
It's not yet heaven. Justice is not yet one on earth. But we believe anyway. Amen, church? And Jesus thought of all of this a long time ago, by the way. He warned them in John 16. We're, just hold that up there. We'll go to there. But in John 16, like one of the Psalms says, he says, there will first be a night of mourning. And then you will rejoice. They didn't get it. But they knew the Psalm he referred to. Look at this. When Thomas says, I believe. Then Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Would you stand with me? As we close this out, we'll have one song. All I'm asking you to do is to say three words. Living in this world between Good Friday and Easter with a crazy, beautiful, absurd faith. I want you to say, Lord, I believe. Would you say that with me? Lord, I believe. And one more time. Lord, I believe. Amen.